All right. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see you guys uh, this morning. I uh, appreciate what Pastor Malcolm was uh, talking about. You know, I, if you're like me, I always feel the, the need to be used by God to reach people around me, to be a part of their lives. And I, I'm, I probably wrestle with this that I, you know, I just never feel like I'm doing enough or maybe not doing it right. And I think that's probably a pretty common thing. Um, and so one of the things I'm reminded of is that every now and then we have seasonal events uh, by which you can invite somebody into your life that may not normally have a place there, and then in that be a testimony for the Lord. So, uh, for instance, there's some sort of, I think there's an event going on tonight, uh, like you could have some sort of party, there's a game of some sort. I don't follow sports ball stuff as much, I don't, I don't know what else going on there. Uh, I'm totally kidding. I totally, I know exactly what's happening tonight. Uh, so first of all, let me allow, is, are there any uh, San Francisco fans here tonight? Any 49ers fans today? So, okay, okay. All right, both of you appreciate you being here. Um, you know, one of the things is I, I actually have asked the staff and um, leadership not to wear team colors typically when they serve at the church. You can wear them to church, but just not when you're serving. Because I don't want it to be that you've invited a friend of yours who, who deeply resents a particular team, and now they don't want to be a part of the service or communion because you've kind of you kind of shown your colors. And so we've, I've tried, just tried to make it a point not to do that. Hold on a second. Let me just get this real quick. So... Um, the thing I want to do is I, I want to make sure that we just keep it on the level here, that we're not, uh, we're not braggadocious about our teams, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's all sort, literally, there's all sorts of opportunities for you to invite people into your life. And so uh, you can invite them in through not just like a Super Bowl party, but we had uh, New Year's Eve recently. You can invite people to a New Year's Eve party. The older I get, the less fun that sounds. Uh, like, you know, I'll go to bed at 10, wake up, it's still a new year the next day. So um, not a big deal for me. But um, for others, though, like throughout the year, 4th of July, opportunity to have a party. Some summer party, people are always doing cooking cookouts in the backyard, totally do that. Uh, you get to the fall, there's all sorts of par- parties you could have. Halloween uh, party, you could do a, some sort of fall thing if you want to do that. Thanksgiving certainly is there. Then around Christmas, you can have parties. Just this idea to, to make your front door a little bit wider, to allow some people to come into your life who normally wouldn't have a place there. And then when you invite them in, you get a chance, especially when they're on your turf, uh, to offer just a little something about the Lord. I'm not saying you preach a sermon, uh, but while they're there, you know, hey, before we eat tonight, can I just offer up a, a quick prayer? I just give thanks to the Lord. And um, they'll probably roll with you on that. Or even before the evening is over, you could say to them, hey, I don't know if you've thought about it before. I got a church at Sand Hills Community Church. I, I'd love to have you come with me sometime. In fact, would you like to come uh, this weekend? And then maybe afterwards we can go out to lunch together. You know, just something like that where you make it real casual and just a, a part of your normal uh, life because we want everybody to feel like they can invite someone and invite someone into the story that God's got ready for them. Uh, we've been studying the book of 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles handy, go ahead and open up to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to give thanks to Dr. Olshine, who was teaching uh, out of 2 Corinthians 10 last week, and I'm just going to cover a few verses towards the end. Um, if you remember much of the story of 2 Corinthians, this is a church that Paul and other apostles started, um, but after they started it, they left because Paul and, and his friends were church planters, and so they started the church, and they went on to do other works, and actually at this time, he and his friends were over in Ephesus trying to get a church going over there. Uh, but while he was gone, other leadership had risen up in the church, but that other leadership had usurped his authority, and they had come in and had kind of turned the uh, church to some bad teaching, even getting to the point where they said, hey, we're not sure you guys can trust Paul. We'd be careful of that. You need to listen to me. And, um, and so Paul finds out about this, and he writes them a very direct letter about what he thinks about all that, and that's a letter we do not have. That's between First and Second Corinthians. There was this uh, kind of grumpy letter that he sent. Uh, after they got that letter, they repented. And they stopped listening to that leadership. In fact, they kicked him out of power and then uh, told Paul, hey, we're looking forward to you coming to visit with us. We want to get back where we need to be with the Lord. And then he wrote them 2 Corinthians. So by the time you get to the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 
He's actually still wrestling with some of this and bringing resolve to this uh, division issue. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 13. Let's look at Paul's defense and his goal. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. So he starts off by saying, like, hey, we don't want to boast beyond our limits. This idea that, hey, we're not making a claim that's not real here. And in some ways, you know, one of the questions is, can you ever boast appropriately? And I think you can when you connect it to what the Lord has done through you. And that's exactly what he does. He says, hey, we're not boasting beyond our limits, but we're going to boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach you. And so his thought is like, hey, God, God gave us the opportunity, gave us the responsibility to reach out to you in Corinth. And then by his grace, you responded. And so we're boasting that God has done a great thing through us. Now, there, there's something going on here as well. The, the explicit comment is that God assigned us to you and gave us a privilege to work among you. The implicit comment is, therefore, you don't listen to people who try to tell you we don't know what we're doing. That's a, that's a, now, he's not saying it explicitly, it's, it's implied. Uh, but the idea is, you need to listen to us. God assigned you guys to us. That's why there's a church there, because God used us to start it. And so he's just trying to show that there's an authority that God gave to them. He's not taking credit for it. He's giving it to God, but he says God did give us this. Uh, and then in the next verse 14, we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. And there is a sense in which he's implying, hey, guys, you... You should listen to me just out of the fact that you kind of owe me. You know, like this idea that don't, don't turn against me. I, I was there out of non-selfish motives. God called me there. I didn't get rich off this. This isn't some sort of power play. You're like, I, I came there. God used me to reach you. You responded to the good news of Jesus. So give me a little credit. You guys should listen here. So uh, that's a, it's an appeal for uh, a sound hearing, and, and that is, uh, that's what he's appealing to. Verse 15, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. All right, so we don't. Now he's not boasting in the labors of others. Again, implicit. There are others who've been boasting in our labor. They didn't do the work. We did the work. So we're not going to boast uh, in others' labor. So we're not doing that. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. Okay. So, but as uh, but our hope is that as your faith increases. All right. So the, the first, before he gets on to what he wants to accomplish in this, he says, like, we really just want to we want to see your faith increase. So here's a question for you. How does your faith increase? Right? Because all of us would say, you know, I want greater faith. I want to have more faith. All right. So for me, faith is like a muscle. So if I ask you, like, how do your muscles increase? Well, there's a couple of ways. One is just with use, consistent use. You know, consistent use will keep your muscles kind of where they need to be. Now, we do know this, that um, your muscles will come to a point where just with consistent use, they kind of stay that way and they just support the daily function. Um, but let's say you want bigger muscles. So then what do you have to introduce then to get bigger muscles, right? Resistance. You got to have something pushing against you. And then increased resistance, right? So here, think about it this way. If you say, I want to have greater faith, the Lord's like, okay, I can trust you with more difficulty. And you're like, hmm, that's not what I said. Like, no, 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 what you say was you want a greater faith. So here's what I really think. When I see people respond to challenges in life, I, I see at least a couple of different directions. Now, one is uh, the person who always gets mad at God. It's just like the next difficulty, they're just going to be mad at God. So something goes wrong, they're like, oh, God, how could you let this happen to me? Don't you love me? So this person thinks God is to blame for every bad thing in their life, right? Okay, that, 
That is not somebody who's read the scripture, right? God is not the author of evil in your life. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want bad things in your life, but he doesn't mind letting difficulty come into your life. So that's another aspect of this. But there's another kind of person. The other kind of person is the person who leans into the difficulty, right? This is the person who's pushing back against it. They're, they're introducing that resistance. That is, they're, they're leaning into God. They're putting their faith more fully in the Lord. It's that, that, Lord, even though I'm going through hard times, I am trusting more so in you. Right? I'm not trusting in my own flesh. I'm not going to, it's not, I'm going to find some creative way out of this. I'm going to lean into you, and I'm going to trust you to bring me through this. I'm going to look for your message in this. I'm going to let you teach me through pain and difficulty. And as I read the scripture, saints go through it all the time. So whatever you have for me, God, I want that. Right? That's the person whose faith is going to grow. And if you look at this church in Corinth, they were a mess. They had so much going on. There was pain. There was rebellion. There was gossip. There was dissension. And, and he's saying, like, guys, push back against that. Please lean into your faith. I want your faith to grow. So then he, he has a purpose here. Our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. So here's what he's saying. He said, uh, guys, here's one thing. If you will lean into this, if you'll really embrace this, let your faith grow, you'll become stable in your faith. And as you become stable and your faith increases, you'll, you'll gather a greater cohesiveness. You'll become more godly. Uh, you'll learn to relate to each other better. But not only that, not only will you have a healthy church, but then people outside the church will be impacted by what God is doing through you so that your influence doesn't just remain there. It expands to the community around you. This is what Paul wants for them, to have a healthy church. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine a, a few years ago who's also a pastor. And there was a church we were talking about that the church was saying, well, hey, like, we want to grow. We always want to grow. We want to grow. And so then some people were pushing back against that. And they were, they were talking about how the, oh, that church just wants to grow. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't they? Why would, like, don't we have like one job here on earth? Come to know Jesus and talk about it, right? If you start talking about Jesus, God starts doing a great thing. You want people to come. You want them to be a part of your journey. Like, what's the critique there? Obviously, you know, it's like a friend of mine said, hey, healthy things grow. Unhealthy things die. And you only coast one direction, right? So which, which one are you choosing? Like, of course we want to grow. We always want to grow. That doesn't mean you think you're better than anybody else or you're the best thing ever. It just means this. I, I think God's working here. And when God starts working, this is what I've noticed. When God is moving, people show up. Now, some show up just to see what's happening. Like, you seem really on fire. Like, what's going on? Like, I got to come visit your church. All right, so that's one thing. You're just kind of looking in like you're watching a, a play. But then other people are like, no, I want to go because I want in on that. Like, whatever God's doing, I want some of that. Right? And so they show up to be a part of what God is doing. They really plug in. And, and so when I look at this, that's what Paul's saying. It's like, look, be that kind of church. I want you to be the kind of church that others hear about. They want to be a part of it. When we started Sand Hills Community Church years ago, um, one of our favorite passages was Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, where you get a little picture of the early church. And that early church is so beautiful. They are hanging out together. They're sacrificially taking care of one another. Uh, they share meals together. They, uh, they take the Lord's Supper together. They're praising God. They're studying the scripture. Uh, but there's this great phrase at the end of Acts 2, around 47. It says this, and day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That is, that just as people were being drawn to this fellowship, going, what is going on here? That when they get there and they hear the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, that he offers forgiveness for all of their sins, past, present, future, that they could have an eternity in paradise. They're responding to that, and they're putting faith in this man who had been in a grave but walked out on the third day. And as they do that, it radically transforms their community. And that's what Paul's appealing for. Is like, that's what I want to see in you. And then he goes on to say this. Look at verse 16. So that, all right, here's a purpose, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you, 
without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. So here's, Paul says, listen, could you please get your act together so we can go on, right? Like we're stuck here dealing with this right now, trying to fix you guys. Could you just pull together and be a healthy church so that we can move on and do other things, like start more churches in other areas where people need us? And in fact, this is something Paul talks about in Romans chapter 15. He says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. And what Paul really desires, he's saying, I want to go into an area where nobody's even heard of Jesus, and I want to start churches there. Uh, Because he knows, and and we know, that because of the sin of man and the deceitfulness of Satan, is that, that there is always chaos if you allow it to go unchecked in a church that will disrupt the whole thing. And, uh, and it can throw people off when they start chasing their own motives and they start vying for power and you get some unhealthy people in leadership. And, and Paul didn't want to go fix churches. He wants to go find good ones. And so he's like, like, could you guys just pull yourself together, please? Can you just stay close to Christ and then I can leave and we can go start more churches where people need to hear the good news of Jesus. That's what I want to be a part of. And so this is where he kind of wants to get them to a, a more solid foundation. And so as I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about what is it then that prevents us, perhaps, from being the church that we need to be, or if we could individualize it, from being the Christians we need to be, from doing the, the mission that God has called us to be a part of. And I think there are a lot of things. Now, let's, let's hopefully just assume that, that right now we're not wrestling with a lot of sin. Now, I'm not saying there aren't some, some people here are probably wrestling with some very dark things uh, that you haven't talked to anybody about. And I would just encourage you, come talk to the leaders of this church. We'll be glad to help you and walk with you through that. Not judgment. Let's just get to where you're healthy. But, the, but for the most of us, we would say, listen, I, I, you know, it's not that I'm struggling with a lot of big sinful things. I just, one of the reasons maybe I'm not doing the things I feel God wants me to is I, I'm just really busy. I got a lot going on in life right now, and, it, and this just isn't the time. And, and then I would ask, well, when is ever going to be the time? Like, when are you ever not going to be busy? Right? So that, that's something you're going to have to wrestle with. It, it may be this, too, that you say, well, you know, I don't feel smart enough. Like, I, you know, you got degrees and stuff. And the other staff, they've got degrees. Like, I don't have a degree. I don't know stuff. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Like, no, that's not it either. You don't ever get to a point where magically you just know enough that you could go out and feel confident doing whatever you're going to do for the Lord. It just it doesn't work that way. In fact, I think Paul would answer us if we have those excuses for him. And he'd say, oh, I see your problem. Your problem is you lack faith. And you, you say, no, I don't lack faith. I totally, I totally trust in Jesus. He said, no, you don't. You just told me you don't have what it takes to reach the people around you, which tells me you're trusting in you. That's not what we're called to. We're called to trust in God. I step out and I talk to people, not because I think I've got enough in me, but because I know the Lord, and I know He wants to use me. You know, it, it just reminds me, God is less concerned about our ability, more concerned about our availability. So uh, I went to college at Appalachian State University, and I'm so glad none of you all knew me back then, save my wife, who endured me, oh, and you, Jeremy, yeah, that's true. All right, but we don't talk about those days, right? Um, so I, you know, I was a bit of a wreck. I mean, I, I was a mess. Uh, my wife knew I was a mess. Jeremy knew I was a mess. God knew I was a mess. I was just a mess. And, uh, but I got involved with this campus ministry. And in this campus ministry, one of the guys that mentored me said, Jeff, you need to be consistently sharing your faith. Now, I've learned something about myself over the years, and that is I am a bit of a rule follower. Now, admittedly, not always, but I'm a bit of a That is like when you tell me you're supposed to do this, I kind of want to do it. And, uh, and so he said, Jeff, you should be sharing your faith. I was like, okay, what do I need to do? And so he taught me how to talk to people about my faith. And so I would go out on my campus regularly, and I would talk to people about their need for Jesus. And then the guy mentoring me said, you know, Jeff, you should be leading a Bible study. I was like, okay, I'll lead a Bible study. And so I started leading a Bible study. Now, here's the thing. 
man, I didn't know anything about the Bible. Like, I'm not even kidding. I couldn't have named the books of the Bible in order. I was reading the Bible studies just the week before, sometimes the hour before I was supposed to do them. I mean, like, if you had looked at me, you would have said, Jeff Philpott should not be talking to anybody about his faith, nor should he be teaching a Bible study. And you would have been right, right? But God used it. He really used it in my life. So again, I go back to the idea of, here's what I would rather you do. Rather than waiting until you feel this magical kind of equipping, that you would just step in faith. And just step in faith and let God use you. Let him use you to talk to your neighbor. Let him use you to lead a Bible study. Let him use you to reach out to the world around you and not feel like you're waiting for some sort of magical confidence. Um, God can do it if you'll just, if you'll just move forward. Um, it reminds me of this. It's like the idea of, um, I got a guy. I got a guy. It's one of my phrases. I love this phrase. I got a guy. So everybody needs a guy. That, here's the thing. Like When your car breaks down, almost all of us have a car. When your car breaks down, well, one of the biggest struggles is finding a good mechanic, right? It, it, you need somebody you can trust, who knows what they're doing, who's reliable, is not going to take advantage of you. And so people will do this. Go on social media. You'll ask your friends, like, hey, man, my car needs some work. Who do I talk to? And somebody will tell you at some point, oh, I got a guy. Right? I got, you're going to love this guy. And if you go, you'll go use the guy, and if you get treated fair and you get a fair price out of it, you'll be like, okay, now you got a guy, right? And then others ask, like, who can I? You're like, oh, hey, I got a guy. It happens everywhere. Landscaping, caterer, seamstress, um, whatever. You, like, all these needs we have. And once you find these people, like, you put them in your phone, and you will keep them there. You'll share them with everybody, and you'll just pray that they'll never die, right? Because you're like, you need that person. This is your, I got a guy. All right, well, here's what I know. Everybody. Everybody needs help in life, right? I got a guy, right? I got a guy, right? So the next time you're at work, somebody's like, oh, things are so hard right now. I don't know what I'm like. Hey, you know what? I got a guy. You know, I'm like, I don't know what to do with my kids. I got a guy. I got a problem in my relationship. I got a guy. Like, I'm going through a major health crisis. I got a guy, right? Like, I'm not even kidding on this. You can come to him. You can start talking to him about the Lord. What a natural opening, right? Or even this. If you say, like, well, I don't know what to say to you right now, but I, I do know this. I go to church. They got a guy. <laughs> Come check it out. Let's go, let's go explore this together and see if God might have a word for you right now. So this is the thing I think. Let's invite people into the faith. And it's not that complex. You know, one of the things I think about is I think about the disciples. So I love the disciples, of course. Um, one of the disciples was named Andrew. Andrew is, uh, is following this guy named John. Uh, we call him John the Baptist. So he's hanging out with John the Baptist. And one day, uh, this fellow walks up to where John is baptizing people. And as he approaches, John sees him and goes, oh my, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew looks over and goes, oh, looks back at John, looks back at that guy and goes, I'll follow him. And so he leaves John. I don't know what John did wrestling with all that. But anyway, uh, Andrew walks away and starts to follow him, spends the day with Jesus. After he spends the day with Jesus, he goes and finds his brother, Simon Peter, who we just call Peter. He says, Peter, I found a guy. I this is the guy. You got to come see this guy. And so he hangs out with him, and, and the next thing you know, it, it spreads more. Jesus is walking down um, uh, along the shore of Galilee, and he sees this guy named Philip. And he goes up to Philip, and he says, Philip, come follow me. Philip's like, all right, I'll follow you. So he goes, he spends the day with Jesus. At the end of the day, he goes and he finds his good friend, Nathaniel. And he says, Nathaniel, you, you remember the guy that Moses wrote about? The guy that the prophets talk about? I found the guy. Like, this is the guy. you got to come check him out. And then he responds, and he becomes a disciple of Jesus. And not just there, it goes on. Jesus meets this woman by a well, and she's sitting there trying to act like she's all cool, but Jesus knows exactly about her life, and he starts pouring out all of her sin in front of her that he knows supernaturally. And she's like, oh, my goodness. And then she runs back to her village, and she tells him, like, you've got to come see this guy that just told me everything I've ever done. 
And then they come out to check out Jesus. There's a man that's healed from demons. When he's healed from these demons, he tells Jesus, oh, I can't believe you just healed me. This is amazing. I'm going to follow you. And Jesus says, no, I don't want you to follow me. I want you to go back to your town and tell them what I've done for you. And he's like, okay. And so then he leaves and he goes back and he tells his whole city what Jesus has done for you. Like, this is a pattern of scripture, is that when people are dynamically impacted by Jesus, they tell others about it, right? So that, that's us. We've been, most of us here, radically affected by Jesus Christ. We need to tell people, we got a guy, you're never going to believe who I just met. You know, if we're not careful, culture will coach out of us our testimony. Oh, we don't talk to people about that. That's a personal thing. Oh, there's so many religions out there. You don't know where, how do you know you're right? You know you, and so you start thinking these like, oh, I, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I shouldn't be saying anything. And I think Jesus, certainly Paul, would say the opposite. Like, no, no, of course you tell people about Jesus. He's the only right answer. Right? And so we've got to be more vocal about this. And you can do that without being a jerk. But people need to know we got a guy. Now, of course, the call of Jesus, which I love, is, is Jesus would tell the people, follow me. Just come follow me. But he also said something else to his disciples. He would say, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This idea that, look, as you follow me, I'm going to send you back out to get other people because they need me too. I, I would even add this, that when we introduce people to Jesus... We're introducing them to somebody who can finally give them the answers to life they've been looking for. Right? This, this idea that, like, if you will follow Jesus, life will suddenly make sense. Now, I'm not saying all of your, you know, most extravagant questions will be answered, but your main questions will be. You know, who am I? Why am I here? What's purpose in life? You know, that, all that Jesus answers all of those questions. And even more so, how can I be right with God? And I get everybody's on a spiritual journey, we're, and we're all in different places. There are some people probably here this morning that this whole thing, they're, they're just checking it out. Like, I don't, I don't know about the whole Jesus thing yet. Church is kind of new to me. I'm trying to figure out this whole thing. And if you're here like that, can I just say, hey, thank you. Thank you for coming here this morning to hear a little bit about somebody we, we really love. And my hope is that one day you will love him like we do, and you'll be convinced of that as you study the scriptures. Um, one of the options we give for people who are trying to figure some things out is this group we call Foundations. Foundations is going to start next Sunday after the third service. Uh, we'll have a free meal provided, free child care. You can just come hang out in there, and we're going to spend the next four weeks, uh, starting next Sunday, um, just processing basics of the faith. Now, it's also a membership class for us, but you can go through the class just to get answers to these questions that you're wrestling with. Uh, there's another group of people here. There's a group of people here I know that would say, no, I'm a Christian. I'm following Jesus. I put my faith in him, but man, you know, I'm still wrestling with some questions. You know, we, we offer something special for you as well, and this is a great season to be at Sandhills is because right now we're starting up our community group ministry again. And uh, there's, gonna be, there's various kinds of groups. There's a community group. There's activity groups. There's Sandhills University. But all of these are opportunities to get together with people just like you who are trying to figure this thing out. And you're, normally they're in smaller groups, you know, 10 to 12 people, and you're just processing the faith together in somebody's house or uh, at a, a certain location. And then there's another group of us here that would say, well, I'm not saying I'm anything special, but I think I'm fairly mature in my walk with the Lord. And I say, man, that's great. You should be serving. Like, you should be plugged in serving other people with the gifts God's given you. And all you got to do to do that is either fill out the um, form, the next steps form uh, on, the, on the back of your seat there, or you can talk to Pastor Malcolm. And Pastor Malcolm will help you get plugged in to, to where your gifts are, are best used here in the church. Because here's, here's what I'm reminded of. We only get one shot at life. One shot. And then when this thing is done, it's over. 
I call people every week, and I, I'll just, uh, if you're a visitor and you filled out the blue card and you put your phone number down there, uh, you're going to get a call from me. And it, by the way, it should be expected that if, if you actually fill out a phone number on church information, somebody will call you, right? I, I, don't, don't be offended. You put the number down. Um, but now here's the good news. It's a, short, it's a quick phone call. I just call and ask how you're doing, how you found out about the church, all this kind of stuff. But how you found out about the church is one of the things I really want to know. Like, how did you end up here? And there's three main reasons people give. Now, let me give you the two lesser ones first. One is I just drove by. I drove by, I saw your sign, thought I'd check you out. Uh, actually, some people will do like the, the slow drive-by through the parking lot. We've seen that before. Some of you did that, I know. Like before you came, you're like, let me just make sure they're not crazy, right? So you drive slowly through the parking lot, just checking things out. Do they look like me? Does this look cool? Is anybody taking any snakes or anything inside? Like what is the crazy going on here? And then, and then you're like, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll sniff it out. And then before you visit, another response I get is I checked you out on the internet. So another one's like, who here checked us out on the internet before you visited, Right? That's a lot of people normally. So people check us out on the internet. Uh, we get that. That's another thing. But, the, but, but the, by far, the biggest answer I ever get is, how did you end up at St. Hills Community Church? People will say, someone invited me. Right? Somebody, somebody invited me. That is the number one reason anybody ever visits a church. Which means then, if we want to see more people coming to the Lord, we need to be inviting more people. Now, I know you, somebody would say, well, we're not inviting them to a church. What they need is Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I know. But that's like what we do, right? Like we, we're all about connecting people to Jesus. And so uh, if you don't like this one, invite them to another one. I don't care. Just we want to get them to the Lord. And so, uh, or and if you feel like you just want to share with them about Jesus, do that. Because like I said, you get one shot in this light. life. Hebrews 9.27 says this. It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. I mean, that's a really serious thing. Probably like most of you, I was stunned last Sunday when I heard about the death of NBA legend Kobe Bryant. You know, like, I mean, he's 41 years old, had an amazing career. He's loaded. Um, now he can just focus on his family uh, and his friends and enjoying life. And then in one helicopter ride, the whole thing is over. And, uh, and it's so funny, you know, how somebody you don't really know could really impact you, you know, and you're like, wow, Kobe Bryant's 41 years old, and just suddenly his life is over just like that. I was talking about uh, this with my wife, and my wife said, well, yeah, you know, just when Kobe, though, there were eight other people on that helicopter. Like, yeah, you know, you got to be careful you don't disproportionately look at the value of a life, that, that there's... There's nine people that lost their lives. And I was talking about uh, this with another friend this last week, and he said to me, he said, well, you know, I'm sure in Columbia last Sunday, too, there were probably a number of deaths that were just as devastating to those families. Like, yeah, How are you, you forget, I mean, this is real. Well, if this is real, then we want to make sure as many people as possible have a chance to meet Jesus Christ before they take that helicopter ride. Right? We want to make sure that, that we get a chance to connect as many to Christ as possible. And so I want us to be actively talking to people uh, about their need for the Lord and at the very least inviting them to be a part of a place that really seeks Jesus. And it, it, here's the thing too. I, we know that Jesus will forgive you of your sins. We know he will give you purpose and meaning in life. He will redefine things. But it's not just that we want people to avoid the unfortunate elements of eternity, right? That, that you got to get forgiveness for your sins or you'll be, go to hell. and all. Like, yes, that is true. But it's, it's not just that. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. I love this. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's Satan. Thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, right? Jesus wants you to have a full life. So the idea is that by following Jesus, you will have the most fulfilling life you could ever have on this earth, right? So it's not just that we're inviting people like, hey, well, come check out church. I hope you like it. And I hope you like it. Like, and it's not that. 
The idea is really, do you want to have the best life you could ever have? Absolutely. Then you have to follow Jesus. Right? That's as easy as that. And you've got to come check this thing out. And not only will we find forgiveness of your sins and paradise in the world to come, but you will find meaning and significance right now. God will come beside you right now and help you in this life. Who doesn't want that? That's exactly what we need. And so then here's the thing. Who has God put in your life that he wants you to talk to? Or maybe we'd phrase it like this. Who does God want you to invite into his story? Who's God? Like, I, I guarantee you this. God has already put people in your life, friends, neighbors, co-workers, family. There are people already around you right now. Like, if I were to ask you, who do you already know God wants you to reach out to? Like, a number of you right now just thought of somebody, right? Because you're around people all the time. And you know there are some that are far from God, that they need to be somewhere else <laughs> with Him. And you're suspecting God's put you in their life on purpose. You're right, He has. And so who is that? Let me just offer you a simple thing you could do. You could just invite them to church. You know, get beyond some of your fear and just say, hey, you know, take a step. Would you like to come to church with me on Sunday? Let's go to church. After church on Sunday, we'll go out to eat together. How about that? Just something as simple as that. Just invite somebody. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, it is so easy for us to lose sight of the mission that you've called us to. And, and I get it. We are busy people, and we feel under-equipped sometimes to do what you've called us to do. Um, and we struggle with the idea of whether we can actually pull it off. Father, I know we've been depending on ourselves too much in this. We need to put our faith back and trusting what you can do through us, knowing that you can use our availability more than you're in need of our ability. And so, Father, help us to take that simple step to reach out to the people that we already know you've put in our lives for a purpose, and we'd reach out to them and invite them into this thing that you're doing. And thank you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. 